World Championship Wrestling presents the Japan Super Show, Rumble in the Rising Sun. Travel to the Orient, where champion Ric Flair faces the Japanese challenger Tatsumi Fujinami for the coveted WCW heavyweight belt. Then, two superpowers square off when America's own Sting battles his former foe, the Great Muta. Don't miss the Rumble in the Rising Sun. When World Championship Wrestling superstars travel to Tokyo, Japan, you can bring the action home only on pay-per-view. This month in Wrestling History 11 takes us back to April 1991 for the US pay-per-view airing of the WCW Japan Super Show, a.k.a. Starcade in the Tokyo Dome, a.k.a. the Rumble in the Rising Sun. Yes, the show with three names. Now, this event took place on March 21st, 1991, so we're cheating a tiny bit, but we make up the rules as we go along, so it's fine. With me, as usual, is Dan Phillips, and this was your pick. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm very good. I just want it specified. It took place in March, but I'm pretty sure it aired in April. It aired on April the 7th, 1991 in the US, so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, so I just, I don't want, because obviously you sort of said that we've sort of done something wrong there and then blamed it on my pick. I just want to put it out there to everyone straight away. They aired in April. No, that we make, the, yeah. That's uh, we, the real rules. That's yeah. the real quiz. <laughs> that's the real quiz. We make up the rules, so and that is, it aired in April in the States. The vast majority of our wonderful listeners are in the good old US of A. So yeah, absolutely this counts. So this is going to be a bit of a mishmash um, in so much as the US pay-per-view airing cut down quite a lot of the early card matches, all of which are available in full on New Japan World. So just to make our lives even more difficult, we're going to watch the WCW presentation. Um, then I've watched the matches in full on New Japan World. I think you've watched both halves, haven't you, Dan, in terms yeah, of the, the whole US. I've not watched the first half of the US version. Um, and then the second half of the show, WCW aired pretty much in full. So we're going to run through that. Got that? No, me either. Um, everyone's favourite uncle, Mr. Dave Meltzer, actually attended this show live. And if you want to read a long form review of his experience on that trip, you can find that in the April 3rd, 1991 issue of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And there'll be some tidbits from that along the way. Um, so this is one of the few shows that WCW presented that is not on the WWE Network, I presume, because New Japan really, I guess, TV Hisai or New Japan own the rights. But it's easily findable on Daily Motion. I will tweet out the links. Um, so we get some cracking music to start the show and a shot outside the beautiful Tokyo Dome, which was still known as the Egg Dome back then. It was all lit up and looked completely full. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone were on hand on commentary. And Ross said this was going to be a monumental event between the superstars of New Japan Pro Wrestling and WCW. They put over the big match between Sting and Great Muta, plus the title for title match between Ric Flair and Tatsumi Fujinami. I've got my first Japanese name right, which I'm proud of myself, but there'll be plenty of botches along the, along the way tonight, I believe. Ross said that people had been camping out overnight, and with the walk-up, Meltzer actually said in that Observer that this was a legitimate sellout, as he could see from the inside of the dome, outside that the box offices had been closed to new purchases prior to bell time. I mean, what a professional taking notes, looking out the window to make sure that all the tickets were legitimately gone. We saw the contract signing for the title versus title match, including the use of the 20 count in the rules as was customary in Japan, but not that the title could change on a DQ as it would have done under new Japan rules. What did you think of this excellent buffet they showed the wrestlers and Jim Hurd enjoying here? What a great spread. Yeah. What a great spread. And, um, as they pointed out, Sting, he was tucking into the sushi. Yeah. They specified that. And I had a look and he was. He was just tucked away in the corner. Um, great spread. Uh, then actually went to Ric Flair and Arn Anderson doing a bit of shopping. Yes, we saw him oh, trying to oh, kimono, a kimono, Yeah. Kimono, that's it. Um, <laughs> I, I, 
I, I sort of like looked and sort of thought, is this like a hospitality promo? <laughs> I didn't really know what it's it was. I wish you were like, here with Judith Chalmers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one. I, I, I did know, yeah, because I think they said that it was $250 a ticket for ringside. Um, yes. Which I know Phil loves his, uh, what's it called? Inflation. Inflation calculator. Yeah. But that still sounds, it seems a lot, but I'm not sure what that would be now, but. Sounds like a decent price to me. Um, I think it's um, generally about two points. I haven't Googled this actually. I, about 2.2 times. So that is quite a lot. for. The, I mean, WrestleMania tickets are insane now, but that is, that is quite a lot of money for... Oh, yeah. But I, mean, anything, really. it, yeah. I mean, it certainly looks sold out. Um, and yeah. I can see why um, Meltzer sort of said that. Because obviously we've, we've done many of these before where we've discussed maybe a overinflated crowd uh, yes. number. Uh, just quickly, just to go back... Um, the opening scene, the opening music, very Karate Kid style. Absolutely. Um, a theme that continues through this. I mean, even the logo for the event was the WCW logo inside a rising, like a rising sun. Yeah. Very cliche. Um, I didn't know about the egg dome situation. So um, I was actually going to ask you, um, given you've been there, mm. does the Tokyo Dome now... Did it look the same, the same as when it was the egg yeah, dome? Should we say did it look exactly the same layout and everything? Yeah, it looked very modern. It looked yeah, very modern, yeah. actually. I'm, you know, like you'll often watch these and go, "Well, it's quite dated." Yes, it, it looked. It didn't look dated. It really didn't. Um, I think it had only just opened at this point, actually. Um, I have read a book about, an excellent book, actually, by Chris Charlton, um, which basically went through every wrestling show that ever ever was ever was held in the Tokyo Dome up to maybe 18 months ago. Um, yeah, it opened in March uh, 88. I'm sure it's had some refurbishments. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it it's still... Good. Yeah, it's still pretty good now. Actually, I... I um, it, you, you know what it's like when you... You go to a, like a really impressive stadium that's sort of 20, 25 years old. It's not quite the same as going to like a new Wembley and like this, no. the, the concourses and the toilets and all that stuff are, seem to be more space and there's more space in the seats in modern stadiums. But I thought it was an excellent stadium that's, that's predominantly used for baseball there. But it was, um, it's, maybe they just more... kept touching it up because a lot of these stadiums don't do that, do they? No, no. Uh, and the, yeah, the we've, ceiling we've is... been to many, you know, between us probably, I don't know, silly amount of football grounds. Yeah. And I think we both could think of examples where you know you know it would have been nice but it's just not updated it for yeah. the modern Lee, world Dastin Blah. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. It, all, it yeah. doesn't need much but yeah. um yeah um and yeah I noticed all the different names you know the Japan Super Show Starcade Rumble in the Rising Sun I did have a little chuckle there because um the, the the pub I drink in near my office is called the rising sun and i've seen many a rumble in the rising sun i bet yeah <laughs> um so so i know all about them i felt like an expert um yeah no and uh, as, as tony giovanni said the fans are jamming here don't yeah. really know what he means but they were excited yes yeah absolutely i was gonna say that what the, the thing that i think is the most iconic thing about the tokyo dome is the roof so that kind of shot yeah. of the kind of pale roof um, and it changed, you know, changing color. It's really it shows, impressive. Yeah, the kind of it shows the daylight, and it gets darker as the shows go on. I always think that's that's excellent. Um, so I switched the New Japan version of these matches, um, and out first with trios combination, including Mid South favorite Tim Horner. Um, so this was, uh, so this was basically, a, a, as I said, a, a six man tag match. Um, and this is now I'm feeling nervous trying to pronounce these names. So 
on the New Japan side was Kuniaki Kobayashi, nearly, Shiro Koshinaka and Takeyuka Iska versus Brian Pilmer, Tim Horner and Z-Man. Iska has only recently retired, actually. I I saw him live at King of Pro Wrestling 18. So he was around a long time. Well... I think they pronounce it Iska in New Japan, but okay. I'm welcome to be. Uh, and they didn't, they pronounced it the way you did on the broadcast, but I think they were wrong. Um, Brilliant. Well, yeah. the Japanese were wrong. No, you're the Jim Ross. Um, I, I watched a bit of that. No, no, no. Yeah. Ja- sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear them pronounce it at all. Um, okay. Yeah, Jim Ross, I saw a little bit of this on the US version. Um, but referee Nick Patrick was in there for this. And I, and I, we, sort of briefly touched on this, but I couldn't really work out why WCW called this the WCW Japan Super Show, but clearly on yeah. the outside of the ring, it was Starcade in the Tokyo Dome, so that was a bit weird. Um, the Z-Man Tom Zink looked great in the early going with some lovely drop kicks before Tim Horner got in and showed off his phenomenal dye blonde mullet. Um, this was a fun 12 minutes of action, which ended with Iska pinning Horner after a dragon suplex, um, which Full Nelson into a German suplex, and they cut immediately to dead air at the pin, Presumably, as they don't hold the music rights. Um, I wouldn't go strong recommend here, but I thought it was better than it was just all right. So, yeah, I kind of a low recommend. What do you think of this opener? And was there anything on the US broadcast, um, which I believe cut this match to absolute shreds? Yeah, so uh, well, I guess one thing to note, the US stuff, uh, which I'll sort of pick and pick every so often, because obviously you're, you're normally brilliant at covering, normally you're always brilliant at covering Thanks. what the commentary say. Um, so I felt a bit of pressure uh, once you told me <laughs> you hadn't actually watched it. Um, but I'm this is me picking up a commentary. The going forward. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. I didn't know who um, who Z Man was, um, which also led me to a debate in my house around how is it Z or is it Z? Uh, ah, yes. Yeah. US UK Z and Z debate, and I thought Z Man doesn't quite have the same <laughs> ring to it does it um no. so anyway so zed man anyway um quite like they look like a good little team there in their orange and red trunks and then the other the, the other team coming out in their merchandise the silver sort of tin foil jackets mm. um a few things i noticed that they mentioned on the commentary um one was that and these are obviously things you're not going to hurt so <laughs> you know it's very strange you can say anything you want now and i won't know anything no anything so yeah so Apparently, the Japanese wrestlers were um, very au okay in Sambo wrestling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Which is apparently, I say, you know, so that's good. It's, uh, uh, is, have you ever heard of Fade or Emilianenko? I'm surprised I got that right. I didn't ever think I was yeah. bad at translate, like about. Um, pronouncing names but clearly i am he was a um he was a, he's a really famous mma fighter who never okay. appeared in the ufc and they were always trying to put together a fight with him and lesnar and he was like heavily versed in that so i think he's a style of grappling i believe yeah it says it's an amateur wrestling where submissions are legal yeah you know um i thought and and, and sorry sorry you know sabo which automatically sort of takes me to sort of brazil samba sabo is a sort of a russian Hmm. Uh, sort of based in Russia, and actually, I felt their their entrance was very Soviet Union, very very uh, Rocky Four uh, when <laughs> they walked in. Um, yeah, Jr. pointed out Kobayashi's hang burns. Um, is that which, sideburns? Sideburns, which as I put here, Jr. mugging someone's hairstyle off is very rich. <laughs> um, yeah, Jr. Yeah, I mean hang burns as he's sitting there with his perfect 
Uh, Lego well, head, basically. Yeah, Lego head. Yeah, yeah, very well done. Yeah. Um, now I come on to the main point. There was a bit about what the English commentary done for anyone that watches on on the English commentary. Which the only re- reason I suggest to watch on the English commentary, the only reason is obviously because of what they talk about. Mm. Because if you want to watch the wrestling, don't watch the English commentary because as Steve points out, I that time there. This is a 12 minute match they done in seven. Okay, so it wasn't minutes. completely butchered then, but no, but yeah. it but it only took 30 seconds for the first cut because I ran them next to each other. Oh, and you could see you could see the cut quite clearly, they could No, no, they cut to they cut to um who was it? I think they cut to Pillman. No, they cut to Z Man on his yeah. own. And then next thing you know, he's tagging in um, Pillman, which actually right, comes because right. the point I had at the end was that when because I watched originally, I had a point to say Horner looked like a spare part in that match. Uh, Pillman and Z Man looked very slick, but he just looked like a spare part. Mm. Watched it on the J- Japanese one, he had he looked quite good. He yeah, was in he there, did. he was getting involved. Yeah. You wouldn't, he looked like he they in essence they cut his bit out, his bits out, yeah. Um, but what what they do in the commentary is they there's a lot of ex, explaining the difference in cultures. Yeah. So for example, they said the lack of noise in this match from the fans isn't boredom. The Japanese <laughs> appreciate art. They will make noise when they need to or at strange times. <laughs> Which I just was like, that's amazing. Okay, amazing. Um, Who said that? Now, is that Jim Ross or Tony Giovanni? Jim Ross. Yeah. Jim now, Ross, of course it was. Yeah. I must admit it. it the lack of noise was strange, but actually, weirdly, it's like I I've started watching a lot of New Japan, and actually mm. they're not they're not constantly chanting and going wild. They they are they, you can see they are watching the wrestling. Yeah. And then also because we've had a lot of this uh, COVID wrestling, I didn't really notice the quietness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Really strange. I'm sure if we'd have done this two years ago. Be going, God, it's really quiet, isn't it? I but think, I didn't notice at all. So I've um, seen what well, just just a very quick one on Japanese crowds, just thinking about this. I've so I've seen four shows. Uh is that right? One, two, yeah, four, five shows in Tokyo. Um, and I think the 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 the, the great the greatest thing of all about wrestling fans in Tokyo or Japan is that they stay they say sat sat down. So you've not got some idiot standing in front of you with a great big sign. They're like super respectful. You know, they'll get out of your way and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely brilliant. There's not chance, really. There are a bit. It's a bit like clap chance and they'll be chanting for someone, but there's not like yeah. a, this is awesome kind of thing. But I'll tell you something. Towards the towards the end of a match, the kind of heat to, with the near falls and stuff is, I think, exceptional in, in Japan. It, it, there's this... There's this drama you, you you get a lot that i think the the audience in japan is, is quite a bit more diverse than in the states there's a lot of ladies watching um and you've got this kind of almost like fever pitch that's very different and i tell you what they when naito won the title in the dome they exploded and that they got out of their seats for that so i i would um i i think it's a great place to watch wrestling and i think they're, they're just as passionate but it's a different way they're respectful there's a lot of clapping there's lots of, uh, sort of oohs and ahs and stuff when things happen so yeah i i, I think um 
if they're quiet, it's because probably what's being presented to them, they don't really want to see or they don't know the people involved is probably the, the fairest yeah. way. And I've got I mean, no idea what WCW television had in uh, in Japan at the time. Probably none. So I'm, I'm not sure how these matches would have been built up. Sorry, yeah. Dan, back over to you. No, no, it's fine. So, I, I mean, at times, I think it's quite refreshing when you just watch now. I mean, you know, actually, like, what I've learned through the COVID times is like, if you if I've got the option to not have the crowd noise on when I'm watching the football, sometimes mm. you got I might just choose that just to just yeah. sort of don't need it. Um so yeah, um they mentioned that apparently the ring is harder in Japan than it is in yeah, the US. I thought the ring they was funny a massive in this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they made a massive point about the corners. Yep. And it's one long thing. Um but yeah, I mean in regards to the match itself, um, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> do you think it was a, uh, oh yeah, just another little bit of commentary. I don't know, but just before Horner got pinned, um, he got hit by Koshinaka, uh, who jumped up and sort of caught him in the face with his backside. Yeah. Um, oh, I heard Tony, this actually. Yeah. Which Tony Giovanni said, butt thump. But they yeah. probably they probably call that something different in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't so, know what I saw. So I've watched a few minutes of this one actually. Yeah, I remember him saying that. I thought. Yeah, I suspect they probably, probably do call it something Japanese. different. Yeah, yeah. I didn't um, learn that in my Japanese lessons. Yeah. Um, so obviously, then, then, I, then I did watch the sort of the Japanese longer stuff, and yeah, the key for me was that Horner was just not a spare part, um, and. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, all I could constantly hear is Z Man, Z Man yeah. <laughs> in the commentary. Um, and yeah, I mean, quite, I'd say I, I liked it. I've, I, I, I would have it as an it was all right. It's a couple of things. Well, really, the one thing I was scratched about that is I, I just find it, it was all right because to me, it just brought up the like, thing I've been thinking about recently around six-man tags and I was quite interested to see what, what your what are mm. your thoughts on six-man tags because because looking at it I mean I think we discussed this recently but AEW are building a lot of faction of three-man factions at the moment yeah and I don't know if it's intentional or not but they are and I know I think it's in Ring of Honor and, and New Japan don't they have titles six-man uh, tag yes. titles yes they do yeah. Ring of Honor and New Japan um and I think when these six-man matches are done well, like this one was, just to clarify, it was done well. Um, they do look good. But I'm always like, I don't know, is it is it too many? And I, I yeah, don't know, possibly. what are your thoughts? And do you think the six-man title is a good, is a good idea, a bad idea? I, I don't know. I'm just interested in your thoughts on, because it, it seems to be, I, I certainly know, like when I was watching, like, you know, the Attitude Era and stuff, it weren't really, you didn't have three on three. You didn't really have that, really. Yeah. Because factions were either two, four, two or four plus. Yeah. You didn't really have groups of three. And if you did, the, there was a, like, there was a tag team and then one other. Mm. Whereas now you're getting, you know, if we take AEW, for example, they had like the death triangle. They made a group with three people in it. So the point of that is you're a three. Yeah, yeah. That's what you are. So, but then there was nothing to compete for. You just had to just keep doing matches with three of you in it. Um, I don't know what, again, so I, no, I was interested to see what your thoughts are as someone that's, you know, 
I think um, so. I am more. I'm always more inclined for singles singles wrestling, and I think um, probably a lot of that's probably just the stuff that I, I love the tag teams when I was first watching um, wrestling. But you're only really talking about really a couple of years while there were good tag teams in the WWF, like the Heart Foundation, uh, Legion of Doom, Demolition, etc., and people because all the stuff before that was I caught up on tape, and then all of a sudden from that point onwards you're kind of into the area of like the smoking guns and like people like that. And it's just like, I wasn't really in the, in the, in the era of, of good tag team. So for a long time, I thought tag team, I like, you know, it's always something to fast forward unless, unless it was a stage in the WWF right. where they were pushing like Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels as a tag team. So occasionally like the, the belts would be used. Well, then you had the, the Hardys, didn't you? That's yeah, then, yeah. Then you had a little spell. Then it was good. It was good then. But this occasion you had the, heavy, the heavyweights in the tag team for, to, to advance their singles angle. With regards to trios, I think that, yeah, AEW could probably have a trios title and they could probably make it make it work. But it's always going to so. be secondary. It, actually, it's always going to be a tertiary belt. And I'm like, is, you know, should there be something? Is it is it better to have, to have these guys fighting for something? I don't know, really. But... It's always a bit of a. I, I, they're quite good for openers, I think. Get a few people out there, get a few entrances, fast, fast pace. Yeah, no I don't think holds, get it. Yeah, going, I don't yeah. like when they're main events. I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess if you're there in the arena and you're going, there's six people you get to see. Then it's good for the fans. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, so that was just for that. And then the only other thing, which is a thing you mentioned earlier on, that they in the in the promo they start talking about the different rules. Um, yes, WCW. Um, in terms of disqualification, there's no title change. You've got ten count New Japan disqualification. You still get title change. You get twenty count. I can tell you now, during the English, the American commentary, the talk <laughs> around the difference in rules is probably over fifty percent of yeah. each of, of each match. I mean, in this one, the amount of times they were talking about. Over the top rope is legal in New Japan. Twenty second count. Um, they sort of were touching on it here. This is a theme going through, yeah. Um, yeah. which is something I maybe should have been anticipating when I got to the end of this show. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask actually. Uh, we, we discussed in Mid South about over the top rope being illegal. Yes. When when did that change? Uh, well, I don't think it was ever illegal in the WWF. Um, oh, okay. Uh, basically, the reason that it was illegal was because battle royals where you had to throw your opponent over the top rope were a big thing, especially in San Francisco and I think Los Angeles as well in those territories. Uh, so they want to add to the drama. The 70s. Yeah, so you add to the danger if you can, you, can, uh, you can buy tickets to that. But you got we talked about this on, on WhatsApp the other day. The WWF, like the cage rules, like if, yeah. you, grew, if you grew up in that, er- that era and we grew up watching that and the tapes... That's the rules, cage matches, and then it's like, oh my yeah, god, Phil what's Terry this? Just like... completely like ruined my favorite. Yeah, like one of my favorite ever uh, match types. And Phil and Terry on the podcast the other day when they were like, "Well, surely if you're in a cage, leaving is the coward's route out." Yeah, that sentence finished, and I felt like half my childhood's like <laughs> best memories had just been crushed. Crushed. Where I'm like, I was cheering the wimp. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thanks for that, you two, when you listen. Yeah, they did a good job. There. <laughs> um, Dave Meltzer actually rated this three point seven five stars. Actually, so he liked yeah. it a lot. 
Um, yeah. Next up, we've got a special bonus match that did not air on the US pay-per-view. I could not help but include this when I saw that the English translation for Scott Norton versus the Equalizer, albeit that name was misspelled on New Japan World, this match was titled Steroids Warriors Showdown. So did you catch this? Did you see that on New Japan World? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw it on New Japan World, and I'm also pleased that you tweeted it. Unbelievable. Uh, the equaliser was Dave Sullivan, the real-life brother of Kevin Sullivan, who later had a run in WCW. And according to Meltzer, the, we didn't see this on the New Japan World clip, but the equaliser stormed around the ring during his, during his entrance in the style of the late Bruiser Brody, who was loved in Japan. And apparently that got him off to a bad start with the crowd. Norton pulled the equaliser up after a clothesline when he appeared to have him pinned and then went for a power slam that was completely botched. Sullivan stayed down, though, and they didn't improvise with something else. And that was that. The Steroids Warriors showdown was over and Norton was the victor in 2.23. Obviously a skip, but I had to include it. What do you think of this one and what would you give this rating-wise? I've got three bins of clotheslines, bumps and blocks. I mean, just to clarify for everyone, this is they just run into each other for yeah. three minutes. That is quite literally <laughs> what amazing. they do. But the do fans, what, I might go must watch the fans were buzzing. The yeah, fans they were, were buzzing. Actually, to be fair. The yeah. fans were... It was really weird, actually. I said they were buzzing. They were laughing. Oh! I don't, know whether, I don't know whether they were laughing because it was two big men. Dan. Or whether, are they laughing because... Meltz's comment. Meltz's comment. In his comments said, this match was real bad. Bad timing. Fans laughing throughout. Yeah. Yeah. See? They were. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome, Dave. I'm with you, mate. Um, <laughs> not on everything, uh, just to clarify. Uh, yeah, I mean, I weren't sure. Are they laughing? That I weren't sure if they were laughing at the fact that they were two big guys, or because was this, was it funny in Japan about the steroids? I don't know. They were laughing, um, I think, because they were so bad. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Norton was getting the bigger cheer, but I understand he was signed to New Japan. Yeah, they knew him. So he, so he was their wrestler yeah. in theory. If yeah. we were doing a WCW New Japan versus, because I was trying to keep tabs of that. Yeah, um, this would go down as a New Japan win. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, botch body slam. What a mess. Yeah. Uh, mess. Just, just going through the two. I mean, they're both still alive. So your whole thing about you know the WWF steroids. See, not all I bad. don't think I ever uh, say steroids. I think I say Titan Sports Protein Shakes to um, avoid any uh, potential Scott legal Nor action. Scott Norton was a bodyguard for Prince in 1999. Wow. And I did like the equaliser. I didn't obviously watch WCW, but I did chuckle a lot when you just mentioned there he's Dave. Uh, he was Dave Sullivan, Kevin's brother, who used yes. to work his dyslexic brother oh yeah I didn't I, used, I, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to bring up this unsavoury used to refer to himself as EFAT yeah unsavoury WCW was, angle from the 90s I'm sorry but I was in absolute fit if you're dyslexic you can still say your name mm. you just can't read like, well, like you can't you read know, you, you, yeah you, you yeah, might you be can't able read, read but what yeah, I mean yeah, is yeah, yeah. you don't speak like no, if someone no. tells you your name's Dave you don't then go Oh, thanks. Let me just move the words of letters yeah. around. Um, anyway, sorry, I thought that. Um, <laughs> so, right, Dan, uh, I, I, I choose to move, move. You stay away from these things, but that's, that's absolutely fine. So, we, carry we on. Um, <laughs> and my my question to you, to Ennis. By the way, this is obviously a skip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Question to you was: I have seen some horrible equalizers in my time. He's up there. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you know, have you had any haunting equalizers that you can think of? Um, yeah, okay. So the one that springs to mind immediately is, and it's not Fulham actually, it's... Um, Whoa! Yeah, the, the, the Euro 2004 England-Portugal game, um, which I was at, when, in, when Owen scored right at the start, and I think it was deco equalized um from memory and it just was like um yeah just one of the worst you know worst all-time feelings i can ever really remember there must be some fulham ones that are, are just dreadful when, i'd when, imagine when when we lost in the playoff semi-finals for reading did they equalize or did they take the lead they took the lead we scored second oh, yeah. yeah um uh, yeah i mean there will be some but all the things that come to my mind are more like losing goals yeah, but, I yeah. Mean, you know, it's, it's something just for everyone to think about. I just thought. I mean, the worst, the worst losing goal ever for me is the thing is the Hamburg. Reading, the Reading one was devastating, but it wasn't a goal. We had lots Athletic of time Madrid. afterwards. Yeah, the Athletic Madrid is by far the worst one. I, I still have no flashbacks. time to come back. Yeah, there's no time to come back. 170 I have minutes. Yeah. yeah, and the yeah. fact, like, to be honest, I get so much that could we move on. Yeah, let's, let's just move on. Uh, what, I've got a question for you, actually. What do you think Meltzer go this star-wise? Oh, come on. I mean, I learned the other week from you that he can give minuses. Yeah. So he's got to be a minus. Minus two. Minus one and a half. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. yeah, good stuff. I didn't know if you did minuses. It's that bad. Yeah, it was that. I always like, uh, yeah, I, amazing. I thought uh, half of me wants to go must-watch for this. But yeah, it was just quite sad. The only thing I liked was I liked that the Japanese fans were proper laughing. Yeah, yeah. And, and on this one, it's not on the American commentary, so they've cut that out. Yeah, um, there's no way that I couldn't even there. hear, I couldn't even hear like how JR and Tony Giovanni were trying to sell it. <laughs> Just an it astonishingly pure... bad wrestling match. Yeah. Uh, business is now very much about to pick up as we have the IWGP junior heavyweight title match between Jushin Thunder Liger and Akira. Liger was dressed in green and gold for this one and not his traditional red and white. Um, Liger hit a top rope sent on to the outside very early in this to the delight of the Tokyo, Tokyo Dome crowd. Um, I had really high expectations for this when I saw a 1991 Jushin Thunder Liger match. Um, but for my taste, Akira's offense contained a little bit too many wear down holds, aka rest holds. I do get that these things have a play somewhat, but with 2021 eyes on, a submission type move has to be going for a finish for me. It takes me out of it when a hold is just working on a body part without actually trying to win a match in that moment. I've had many a debate on Twitter about this. Um, and for me, it's just as unrealistic if you're trying to wear down someone's arm rather than actually trying to submit them as someone doing a lot of dives or, you know, cooperation or, or slapping your thigh or no selling big moves or kicking out our finishes. Because ultimately, no one in mixed martial arts or real fights thinks actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold someone's arm. You might hold on, you might hold like a chin lock or something to get someone into position or something like that. But you'd be, you'd be in, in MMA when they're grappling, they're raining blows down in between the transition. So this just sort of stuff's not for me. It never was. And it's even less so now. Anyway, ran over. And um, there was one really great Liger near fall. Basically what I'm saying is no one can tell me that stuff like this is more realistic than wrestling. In I'm back on the rant in 2021 because wrestling has never looked real. There was one really great Liger near for a modified victory role. And thereafter, we got a superb shot of the majesty that is the Tokyo Dome with the sellout crowd watching on. Another great one. Another great near for after a set out Liger bomb. Liger then won the match with what was basically an attempted murder by way of a middle rope DDT in 16 minutes and eight seconds. 
I thought this was, there was enough good stuff in this to get into the recommend category, albeit it was slightly under expectations for me. Uncle Dave didn't like it as much as me. I only gave it three and a half stars, which was just under the opener. In his report, he said, they took turns using holes in each other's bad body part until the 10 minute mark when fans who wanted to see hot moves and flying rather than a match of this type started chanting, do something, do something. Now, I'll give Uncle Dave the benefit of the doubt here, as I presume he was with people who could have translated, but I 100% know for sure this crowd didn't chant that in English, so I presume he meant in Japanese. Um, what did you think of this match, and was there anything interesting of note from the US broadcast, and how would you rate this one? Um, so, just quickly, this was for the Junior Heavyweight Championship? Yes. How are you a Junior Heavyweight? Um, you're either a heavyweight or a middleweight or a cruiserweight or etc. A junior heavyweight. So what? So you're the same size as the big guys, but not as good. Younger. No, no, no. What makes you so, a junior heavyweight? I don't know where that. Do what? I've never I heard. Know, I didn't understand that bit. No, that's interesting. I've never heard anyone. Um... Was it like a light heavyweight? Yeah. So I've, Which yeah, I never really got because yeah. if you're a light heavyweight, you're not a heavyweight. You're either a heavyweight or you're not. So I've I've never heard anyone question that term, and I've I, I I've been aware of that for quite a long time. I've never heard any question. I've just googled it, and basically it's an, it's just an alternate name for cruiserweight used in multiple combat sports. So um, yeah, apparently it's been it's been around in various places, but I know it more predominantly for from um, Japanese wrestling, really. But I guess it's like a it, it does sound a bit odd when you think about it, I suppose. But the juniors have always been. Um, the smaller guys, so that's I guess that's yeah, how how, I get how it, um, yeah that's how that's how it um, so that so that's what it what it what it is but yeah I, I know what you mean um what was so WCW was cruiserweight and WWF was light heavyweight wasn't it so yeah uh, um, but yeah, yeah for the the so light heavyweight cruiserweight junior heavyweight that's the title I think it's um a hundred kilos is the the supposed um weight limit I'm out um so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the main uh, thing that I they discussed. Too, yeah. The main thing they discussed. Is, I don't know why he's paused there. Anyone listening that knows what he looks like. Um, the the main thing I took from the commentators here is they had a translator. They talked about their translator a lot. Of oh, great. Okay, yeah. And their translator, his name was Wally Kamaguchi. Oh yes, yeah, he's famous. I, I heard of him. Yeah, I just love that. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of oh, we discussed that before, but like you know when you're using these call centres and you're ringing up a different country and they're like, why don't you just use your own name? Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm Elvis from <laughs> India. No, you're not. What's your real name? Do you know what I mean? Like the Wally name, Yamaguchi. Name. His yeah. name was, his, his Wally was a nickname. His first name was Yasuke. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he was their translator. Um, no longer with uh, us, sadly, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so one of the things, so, so lots of the things are discussing. So Father Liger's style was based on Steiner's. Is uh, one of the things I learned. Okay. Um, he, they, they are aerial. He's an aerial artist, um, and they discussed how that's very different to the US style. Speaking in 1991, who in the sort of WCWWF was was as aerial as as a Liger? Hillman was 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 pretty Hillman, good flyer. Yeah. Um, so the there w- were many, I think. Uh, Owen Hart. Was it is, was was around around this time? That. Yeah, Dynamite um, Kid was probably Dynamite Kid was on the almost finished by this point, but Dynamite Kid would have been in eighties uh, and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but though, I think Liger that. was probably more flashy, actually. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, 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 I mean, I write everything. I mean, Liger's quite new to me. So if, 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 if I talk about this match period, what, he is one of the reasons that I chose this event for this month. Mm. Um, main reason being the, the type of New Japan is something I've started watching in the last sort of three months. And as we discussed before the show, I am now hooked. There's no other word for it, really. Um, and so I was interested to see that. But obviously, he's a name that goes down. And, and obviously, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame this yes. year. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I rate him for like, he comes down in that attire and wrestles in it. I mean, man, yeah. whereas this, uh, is it Akira? He, he come down in some sort of like massive ginger wig or whatever, but he took all of the, all of the clobber off. Um, but fair play for wrestling in, in that. I mean, if you think about that, it's hard enough as it is, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we all know people that wear masks, you're Rey Mysterio's and stuff, but he's got a full body suit on. I mean, it's madness to do what he does. But um, I'll tell you what, it, ke- it helps his longevity because his body didn't really change very much because though, you know you could see that he was in good shape. Obviously, you yeah. can't see how cut he is and stuff. So he might not, it it might not have been in for the last few years. No, well, no, would they? For me, uh, I, was, I was disappointed because... Mm. There was a lot of holds, and after I think I, I think I looked, I think I'd done the timing. After six minutes, um, Akira sort of drop kicked Liger's knee, and then the focus for the rest of the match, the rest of the, the next ten minutes, I had to stand sixteen minutes. The next ten minutes was a focus on the knee and the injury, and obviously as a result of that, Liger couldn't then be seen to be hopping up to the top rope and flipping and doing all that because they tried to sell the fact that his knees hurt him. Yeah, so. You only really got six minutes of of of, of action. Yeah, I felt um, a bit cheated by this as well. Actually, which is still more than Daily Motion because Daily Motion had the whole match done in four minutes. Wow! In, and it was a sixteen-minute match. match. Crikey! And and given who's in it, so you know that's quite a big cutout. Yeah. Um, You're better off not having it at all. I yeah, think. Like, like you saw that he like I weren't sure if he was actually really injured for a bit because um, like. And again, I'm sure I'm sure it's all thing, but as well, he went to do a pile driver and he couldn't quite do it. And I, I don't yeah. know. That looked that looked like an accident, but there we go. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it on the Japanese one again. I mean, the commentary this time that stuck out is, and it sticks out in the later matches is one thing that I've, I'm obviously learning about Japanese commentary is they actually agree with each other because mm. they constantly just hear I I I yes. Yeah, so yeah, 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 so I mean, so they agree with each other. So yeah. someone's talking, and you just hear the other person. It's relentless. Yeah. Um, I'm just, it's quite novelty that they agree with each other because obviously yeah. in, the, in the US, the point is generally it's good and bad, isn't it? Or, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, for the match, I mean, that DDT was absolutely brutal. I know, sick, wasn't it? I've actually watched that three times now. <laughs> that is horrible. Um, I don't think it was recommended because it's an early Liger and. But yeah, only I just. Recommend. Yeah, yeah, only I, just. I would agree with that. Agree. Um, the, the only thing I had on here is you were at, you were at his retirement match. Yes. Yeah. And what I was just going to ask, like, what was what was that like? Like, could um, you see he was a massive superstar? And yeah, but the whole thing was really yeah. underwhelming. Like, it was just. It oh, was, was it? Bizarre, oh, yeah. Like he um. In his final year, he had a really good feud with Minoru Suzuki, and they had a, a kind of, and he brought back. Um, I feel oh, like I'm not 
I'm not super knowledgeable on this, so I don't want to I don't want to do this in injustice. But Liger occasionally had a kind of sideline character, a bit like Mick Foley had Catches Jack, okay. called Kishin Liger, which is like his kind of brutal character, and he took off most of the kind of most of the body suit actually, and, and had his his, top, his upper body out. He had a, a feud with Minoru Suzuki. He's kind of like I'm sure you've seen him, but his his character's like a shooter, like real hard character, real hard wrestler. Um, and they had a phenomenal match at um, King of Pro Wrestling 19. But then after that, that was kind of on his run. We knew that he was retiring at the Tokyo Dome, but it, I thought they should have done. He did a tag match. I thought they should have done. Night one was Osprey and Hiromi for the junior title. I think they that um, uh, Liger should challenge the winner of that in his last match. But apparently Dave Meltzer said that it's not a thing in Japan really for someone to do something like that when they're retiring, they have a more understated retirement and they're, they're gone rather than being in a prominent position. And he also thinks that the the way it happened was what Liger wanted. So um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was wonderful when he was walking out, I got a really good photo of him because he was literally probably like 12 feet away from me when he was walking off. But yeah, just a little bit, a little bit underwhelming, sadly. But yeah, good to be there for that. Next up, Masahiro Chono and Masa Saito versus Arn Anderson and Barry Windham in what New Japan World has called the United States Heavy Power Tag Tag Match. Windham's hair was really short here, and I'm not sure this look with the bleach blonde and darker moustache was doing all that much for him. Chono hit a great dive to the outside during this, and the crowd seemed into it in spite of Uncle Dave saying in his report he felt the match had no heat. It ended in 9.17 after a Wyndham closed on Saito and Anderson got the pin. Only two stars from Meltzer, which I thought was harsh. Solid. It was a right territory for me. What did you think of this one? This wasn't on the uh, Daily Motion, was it, I don't think? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, was it? Okay, sorry, I didn't realise that. And in fact, they only cut a minute. Ah, did they? So you can clearly uh, see who they want to show, can't you? Like yeah. Anderson and Barry Wyndham. So I, I do get it, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of commentary on this one. Uh, Chono was trained by Lou Fez. Oh, wow. Um, who I still, I still, when I hear the name Lou Fez, have flashbacks to the quiz from last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's something about it, just could never really like, like him. Uh, <laughs> he would turn 105 picture, the other day. I well, just, he didn't turn, but he, I, he's passed. Yeah, but, yeah. I just picture Phil and Terry just literally every answer, Lou Fez. Lufes, and I was thinking, what? Who? <laughs> and now it's like I can't not hear this man's name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and also, um, so what? What they did in the American one, as well as continually talk about the rules, is they quite often kept talking about what each team needed to avoid from the other. Now okay. I assume that's again a bit of a you know, if you're watching as a WCW fan, you don't know anything about these Japanese guys, yeah. so we're going to tell you what their thing is, all right? And they said the key to this is for Anderson and Wyndham to avoid the suplex, which, to be honest, is pretty much what they said for every Japanese wrestler is what they do. Right, okay, yeah. And <laughs> this is the, this is how they worded this. And the STF, right? And they went, and the STF, which is a step over toe hold cross face submission hold. STF for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but was that Jim Ross? I bet that was Jim Ross, wasn't it? Jim Ross, yeah. yeah he just sort of was. started. He went STF, which is a step. And I think even in his mind, he never really knew what STF was. So as soon as he said the word step, he's thinking, I've cracked it. Yeah. yeah. And he's gone, step over toe hole cross face submission hold. 
By the way, I've said step and face. There you go. Yeah, I've I've committed. By the way, though they were there, this commentary was not done live. It was done in a booth afterwards. Because I guess well, they, yeah, were they weren't there. ringside. I, I no, could tell that. I, was they, I um, think they were. I think they were there from the shop. They the were start. there at the event. But yeah, but they didn't. They, they were didn't, at the event. Though they could have done that with a green screen. Couldn't I they? don't think they. No, no, they were at no. the event. Okay, but I they know definitely for, were at the. They were definitely at the event because at the end. Ah, Jim Ross was there, wasn't he? Correct. Of course he was. So um, the, comment, the commentary was definitely done in post because I guess they oh, wanted. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, and um, but again. The STF was taught to Chono by Lou Fez. Oh. Apparently the STF is Lou Fez's move. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, sorry. So they were talking about, um, talking about that. And then, and then the Japanese apparently would probably be susceptible to the lariat. Okay. <laughs> this was said in minute one of this match. <sighs> Okay. Oh no! Well, they, was it really? Oh yeah, no! So they were. They need to avoid suplex in the STF, and they need to be. And, and the Japanese need to be susceptible to the lariat, which, which I put a question mark. And they went because it comes out of nowhere. I don't know why New Japan don't have moves that cut like I don't know. Like are they suggesting in Japanese culture before you do a move, you go just to let you know, just about to do this. <laughs> but I think they're taking the respect element. Because yeah. they're so sh- too far there, but anyway, that was mentioned early doors, Stephen. And yeah, what what a um, shot when it came with the finish. So then, uh, other things, Mister Saito, I did realise was known to WCW. Um, they they called him the Japanese version of Rick Steiner because of his Saito suplex. I would have said because he doesn't have a neck. <laughs> uh, he literally just went body head. Um, and then also another little. Lufez thing. This guy was haunting me. Chono wrestled Lufez in 1991. Did he really? Lufez was wow. 74. Yeah, wow. And he defeated him with an STF. Wow. That's which incredible. is, in case you didn't know, it's a step over toe hold cross face submission. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, they were, and then they, they had a little chat about the, the, the attendance, which is quite interesting. So they said Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson there in front of 35,000 fans. Yes. And they said this show was 50,000 fans. Uh, they then mentioned that we shouldn't be surprised that Anderson and Wyndham and Saito and Chono and vice versa know each other's styles because amongst wrestlers, there is a big craze of trading tapes. Right, okay. So that's how they know each other. Um, I thought this is a proper wrestling match. I actually really like this. Um I was gutted that the Lariat did it because yeah. I'd been pretty much told. And given what we've just discussed, they knew that was coming. Yeah. So that's annoying. Um, and I would have given it, it was all right, touch and recommend. Yeah. I thought it was solid. I it. Yeah. I, um, solid. I mean, if I talk about the difference between the two. There's only a minute difference, so you know I I noticed a bit more on the on the J- Japan coverage that you know they started the match with a handshake, um, but then they ended it with like a cheap shot, which is a bit weird. Um, but on the US version, the match finishes, and it cuts to some spectators okay. at the uh, concession stands. Really? Okay. I will now 
Tony goes, look, JR, they're getting, we, we get, uh, here you go, look, they're getting sushi, egg rolls and sake to go instead of hot dogs. JR pipes up. Brewskies, brewskies, wherever you go though, isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my God. So um, in Japan, you don't get hot dogs, but you know what? A brewski is a brewski. I tell JR you what, just they do. Brewskies, brewski, wherever you go. Excellent, excellent brewskis in the Tokyo Dome, but though on the second night when I was with two, uh, an Irish guy and an English guy I met, as Charlotte tapped out and didn't come to the second night with me, uh, which is fair enough, because we met a guy that was travelling by himself, and I was just like, why don't you come and sit with me? And I think I got Charlotte a massage in the room that she said almost crippled her because it was so uh, so um, strong. But basically, in the Tokyo Dome, uh, one of the drinks we got, we thought was beer, but it was actually whiskey, and it was a pint glass, like whiskey watered down. I was like, I can't drink that. because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be too smashed for the... Uh, main event now what fast food do you think i i my meal was in the tokyo and there was a few different western options which what do you think i went oh it's a western option because obviously they've obviously got up in the world since 91 yeah well there were Uh, lots of westerns but i thought i thought the food was probably did you get a hot dog i've got kfc in there oh yeah i got kfc you say that because today i just had a packet of walker's max kfc flavored oh very nice do you know what? No, the thing I struggled with the most in there to get were two things. It was one, a coffee, because I, I felt a bit tired and I, and I wanted like a pick-me-up. And two was a bottle of water. Everything else, KFC, you know, sushi, you maybe, name it, available. Maybe the Tokyo Dome is designed for real men. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, right, next up, <laughs> IWGP tag team title match. Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki versus... The defending their ties against the Steiner brothers. The crowd were hot for this one from the bell. Scott Steiner hit a devastating looking overhead belly to belly after a couple of minutes that actually made me gasp. Rick Steiner nearly had his head taken off shortly afterwards with an unbelievably stiff looking clothesline from Hasse. Rick later hit Hasse with a super looking belly to belly overhead suplex from the middle rope. And the Steiners won what I thought was a very, very good match in 1256 to become the new IWGP Tag Team Champions. I didn't think the finish was the smoothest uh, with Scott winning by Frankensteiner because uh, the pin just looked a little bit awkward, but this was still just about a must-watch territory for me. Uh, Meltzer loved it and called it a match of the year candidate and gave it four and a half stars. What did you think of the match and anything of note on the US version? Uh, great match. Really like this. I, I put recommend um, with sort of like a... I'd put a hat, uh, like a line to... A must watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought this was great. I, I probably mentioned before. I, I've watched WCW, which I don't mention those. But Steiners are never someone that I've never really come across them. I know mm. all about them. I know everything. You know, like people go, oh, "We don't know this stuff." This was for me. I was proper watching this, and I watched this. Got to the end. Went, I get it. Okay, yeah. I get it. I, were, I, guess, I forgot how good they were. They were incredible yeah. in this match. Yeah. And not just that, and not just that. You can see they're doing moves that you, you take for for granted now, and you know for a fact that these guys are coming up with this stuff. Yeah. Um this but I mean I, I just put it the every move from both teams, the power on yeah. every move looked like it hurt. Yeah. Every single move. Um Stein is obviously massive in Japan. They, they, they've said that, you know, the commentary sort of made that clear about the influences of the Steiners. You know, we had the Liger in the last match. They talked about that, talked about that as well. Um, Tony Schiavone said that the only, the only thing a fan said to him at the airport was uh, Frankensteiner. 
Hmm. And it's, that's all anyone was saying <laughs> to Tony at the airport. Um, I mean, the fans were pumped for this. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, they, they talked about a suplex showing coming. Um, the, the, interestingly, that, that the Haas guy, they said that he was a, uh, used to be a history teacher or something. He'd only been wrestling for a few years. And his first match where he rocked up to New Japan, he, he won the junior title. Oh, really? Yeah, so the guy with the moustache, uh, as they put the young guy, yeah, who at least forty-five. <laughs> um, but you had you had the fans retarded in this one. Um, it's, it was like two identical style, styles, really. Uh, I like the end. I, I like the double team, top rope bulldog sort of thing. Yeah, I thought that should have been the finish actually. Yes, uh, yeah. the Frankenstein didn't quite. Yeah, it didn't quite work. Did he used to do the Frankenstein off the top rope? No, it was always this version. Always like that. Okay. Yeah, which he was proficient in, but it was almost like the Frankenstein was kind of was 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 fine, but then the pin was just a bit weird. And it just I don't know. I, I, Meltzer actually wrote that he thought that the Japanese, though apart from what Tony Schiavone had at the airport, he thought the Japanese fans didn't recognise the move, and that's why they didn't react to it. Oh no, they did. Um, they did but, the yeah. Um, Daily Motion only cut three minutes out of this one. Okay. Um, so it was just nine, which, nine and a bit. Yeah. Which, from what I worked out, was the Haas, ha- how have you said it? Hase? Hase, yeah. Hase, doing, this, doing what I've noted down as the Cesaro swing. Right, 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 yeah. Um, which I didn't massively like, really, that sort of swing thing, but he seemed to, it seemed to work for him. Um, yeah, so. That's what they cut out on that. I mean, made me laugh at the end because I was just thinking, oh, the Forbidden Door swung open in 1991 as well. Yeah, yeah. They, they uh, had a work relationship for a little it's while. It's happening Actually, a long again. Time in New Japan, yeah. Because it's funny because uh, for, for, for the 80, the early 80s, New Japan was, was, um, would work with WWF actually for a long time so um it's interesting they evolved to this i mean still now so so for those that watch youtube i mean you've got the crossover with AEW um that you get obviously you've got moxley that's going to be fighting eugene in a few weeks time yeah yeah um impact so Finn juice and ring of honor um for example, uh, a lot of the guys from New Japan Strong, little plug there. Yes, yeah. For, as they said on the other podcast, the best show that I was watching, um, a lot of them guys are in Ring of Honor. Yes. Um, so New Japan have obviously always been, you know, this Forbidden Door thing is, is being pushed as a big thing right now. But actually, and don't get me wrong, it is still, I think it's, hmm. I think it's great, just FYI. I mean, I don't think it should be made a big thing for Bid and Door and stuff. I think it's brilliant cross-promotion stuff. I really do. New Japan. As, as, so a, as a fan, as a fan of AEW New Japan, because when the guys I'm watching on a weekly basis cross-promotion, they ain't losing. Hmm. If I was a fan of Impact or Ring of Honor, would I be yeah. liking this? Not really. If I'm a fan of Impact now, my man's gone. Yeah. Now, unless I'm a fan of Impact, I've started thinking about this the other day, and I'm now going, okay, so I'm a fan of Impact. Do I now class Kenny Omega as an Impact wrestler? Is he? Because no, he's still, tur- but so, he's still yeah. turning up there on a weekly basis and wrestling. He's wrestling as much there now as he is on AW. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. But I, I'm all for the cross promotional stuff because it also the other good thing about that, and I've always said this about it. I mean, I like, and they do it in New Japan, acknowledging another promotion exists 
Yeah, yeah. Like, don't be silly. Like, like, and, and, and WWE think like you know how little they do it when Broken Skull Sessions Austin had Jericho on. This was massive news. The fact that he was allowed to mention AEW. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I've got a job yeah, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. I work somewhere else. Right. And he mentioned Japan and that stuff. You know, it there's no harm in mentioning another promotion. There really isn't. I guess this isn't, um, this isn't this isn't this isn't if you watch any Stenders and no one on it discusses Coronation Street. No, no, no. Right? Yeah. Because they're fictional programs in fictional worlds. These okay, we might say it's not real, but it's still in this current world, this realm, this life. Other things happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would agree. I think the challenge with um interpromotional stuff is you want to leave you want to leave both promotions better for having done it. And I mean yeah. that's that's one of the challenges. The thing with New Japan is I, I wish I could remember the wrestler, but New Japan's ha- kind of hated enemy. So a bit like the equivalent of WWF and WCW, all Japan, who for many, many years they're they're still still one now, but not to the level of um of uh, New Japan. I don't think they're even the second second men's promotion in Japan now. Um, maybe maybe Dragon Gate uh, or maybe Noah, but but one of those is, or maybe All Japan's there as well. But they were doing promotional shows between them. They even had the All Japan uh, Triple Crown Champion win the IWGP Championship and ta- like take it away, and then got that they got it back. But I mean that they've always been um, you know up for you know up for. Um, for interpromotional stuff. The only yeah. thing I think AEW cautionary is just, I think that impact is a bit beneath them, really. I think that Omega... Which, which maybe they're justifying him going there and winning it. Yeah, I just say, thought that... Maybe, maybe it is a claim of saying, look, okay, we ain't WWE just yet, but we're better than all the others. Yeah, like there I is said that. You, the, the, you know, the, the guy that's the champion of Ring of Honor, he's retweeting stuff about it. Right now, okay, it might be nothing, but you know, his boss might have gone, What are you doing that? Or he might yeah. have gone, retweet that. And actually, as we said, you know, Ring of Honor and an uh, Impact, they that you know, they bring Omega in. I, I don't know that, but I'd imagine Impact pay per view sales were pretty decent. That would have I know been in the past, of, you know, yeah. yeah, I know in the past they were good, but oh, honest, they weren't not, really ever good. Oh, they weren't actually, even that no, no. so. So, you know, and, and and it brings, and you never know, people might then go, oh, I might watch that now. Like, well, I, I think that's, I think that's the idea. A lot of people watch that, watch that Rebellion pay-per-view. Yeah. Watched all of it. Yeah. Right? I know a couple of people have gone, I might watch the next one. That was quite good, that. And that's yeah. all they want. That's what they want out of it. And even if yeah. they get, you know, it might seem silly, but a few more fouls, a few more, few more buys on fight for £5 a month or whatever, then it's worth it. Yeah, it really and, is. And anything that's 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 um that makes these these promotions have more of a chance of sticking around is is good and more places. And, look, and, hey, look, yeah. and, it, and if it means that you know from this they do an angle where you know they get Samoa Joe back and they lay that on. Yeah, well, let's hope then so. you're laughing, aren't you? Yeah, big time. So El Gigante, I haven't pronounced that right. Versus Big Cat Hughes up next. Uh, Just to clarify, El Gigante, El Gigante, go on. On yeah. the Daily Motion, this was before the other one. Was it okay? Maybe yeah, I was in a different order. Just uh, to add some more confusion. That's probably that might be my fault, but maybe it's in a different order. On uh, no, no, no. Your links were correct. Oh, your right, links okay. were numbered on yeah, the actual yeah. link as well. Yeah. 
So El, El Gigante got a big pop from the crowd during the ring intro here, who seemed to be into him throughout. He played to the crowd prior to a suplex and milked it for all it was worth. Poor Hughes had to stand there for ages. In the end, the actual move didn't get the reaction. The build-up alluded to it receiving. Higante won in 2.11 with what the Japanese commentators called the brain claw. Um, this is a skip from me. One star from Melt. So what did you make of this one? They didn't cut anything. They emotion. Did they not? They I tried to the full push two, Higante, They played the yeah. full two minutes. Yeah, man. Yeah, really trying to push him. Um, I think the Japanese fans will remember this match, though. When they, go, yeah, they again, the laughter and all this... Um, I put Big Cat uh, Wrestler into Google earlier on and it come up Ernie Ladd and I was like no way but it's not it's Curtis Hughes Curtis who Hughes, yeah. played Triple H's bodyguard from one time um, and Jericho's yeah when you put El Gigante whatever into Wikipedia it actually comes up as El Gigante um, was a basketball player mm. As in wrestler was just a side. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never get the deal with it, this, this guy and why it didn't work and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I put a little bit of the break. Like when I rewatched on Japan, the main thing I noticed was the brain claw. Love that. They were so <laughs> excited about it as well. The um, brain claw. Just, yeah. Um, so commentary wise, some great, some great bits here. Some great bits. Jim Ross was just telling everyone that he. El Gigante didn't toast at the reception that we saw earlier on at the buffet. <laughs> he didn't toast with alcohol because he doesn't drink. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So someone had to translate for El Gigante to explain that he wasn't being disrespectful. <laughs> he just doesn't drink. To which Tony Giovanni piped up and said, put some food away though, didn't he? He had 150 shrimp. <laughs> That's how we come out. I was just like, wow, what fantastic. is going? It's just the way he went. Yeah, and he wasn't being disrespectful. Shivani, put away some food though. Get 150 shrimp. Yeah, like, wow. All right, Tony, chill out, mate. Um, <laughs> Fat shaming. And then they were saying about how he's the biggest wrestler they've ever seen. He wears 5XL, wow. which annoyed me a little bit because there was a, like during lockdown, I'll, I'll put a few pounds on and I'll, and I got sent a double XL. <laughs> which is too big, but it's not miles off. And I thought that's only three sizes bigger than that. He was mainly tall. He was mainly tall, though, wasn't he? He wasn't like yeah, a. Don't give me that, mate. I'm yeah. not having. I'm anywhere near that guy's size. <laughs> anyway, the fa- the fans, the fans were. I thought the fans were in Northern, but I mean, this is a huge skip. Yeah, to be honest, by the time you've, if you're watching it, by the time you sort of clicked the 10 second fast forward button you might as well just watch it yeah I agree I mean there's two there's two on here it's quite cute some of it's quite cute El Gigante looks right he looks so happy like Mm. like if I was him I'd have gone to my agent after that and gone get me a contract in New Japan yeah he did work in New Japan later in his career actually they love like don't send me back over there where I'm just being treated as like a massive monster Get me here. They love me. They, they love me. Him. Yeah, they love me. They, re- they respect me here. Next up on the show, a match that didn't air on the US version, but I thought I would include it here given the Mid-South connection. Big Van Vader and Crusher Bam Bam Bigelow versus Doom, which consisted of Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. Um, I switched where I was watching the show in between the Big Cat and this tag, and it took a solid 30 minutes to get this working on my television thanks to the always useless search feature on the Amazon Fire Stick New Japan World app and often nearly as used as Apple AirPlay to stream on from my phone onto the television. So it was with a bit of a grump on that I watched the intros to this, where Vader seemed particularly over with the crowd. 
He had not long lost the IWGP Heavyweight Championship following a just under three-month title reign. Bam Bam did a nice little cartwheel before this got going and Vader shot smoke out of his helmet. Reed and Vader started, this being some six years after Reed's babyface turn in Mid-South. Reed was on the wrong end of a devastating Vader body block early on, which looked like it really hurt as he was slammed down to the mat. There was a huge Bigelow chant when he was tagged in. Uh, He was a pretty regular feature in New Japan between the start of 1987 and the autumn of 1992 when he went back to to full-time in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, I quite like this match. There's lots of hard-hitting action, which which Vader won with a big splash in 13 minutes and 17 seconds. Post-match, Reed turned on Simmons and gave him the old up yours when he left the ring. Um, This is a a recommend, albeit a low one, but certainly a recommend for me. Uncle Dave gave it 3.25. What did you make of Crusher, Bam Bam Bigelow and Big Van Vader versus Doom? I love this. Good, yeah. I got so... I enjoyed this so much. I really enjoyed this to the point where... I've watched it once and I will watch this again. I really enjoyed it. It was, yeah. we talked about a couple of these other matches, the two squash matches where the Japanese crowd were sort of laughing and, you know, having a bit of fun and all that. They were also doing it in this, which added yeah. to the, added to it. But I felt they were buzzing. I mean, from the outset, Vader and Bigelow's like sort of larger than life entrance. They were doing some weird dance moves. We didn't see how they entered the ring. But they had this sort of weird, bulky smoke machine, yeah. which I don't know if they brought with them or stuff. It, it was like massive. I mean, like, it was a bit like... That was Vader's helmet, wasn't it? No, I thought it was like a big smoke machine. Yeah, that that shot helmet. That shot... It was <laughs> massive. That shot smoke. Yeah, I'm sure he wore that, didn't he? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, oh, because uh, you couldn't see all of it on the on New Japan World. You didn't have the entrances, did you? So they didn't no. have that there. Yeah, he wore that hel- as a helmet. Oh, wow. Smoke on the side. Oh, yeah. this match gets better. It gets better. Um, Butchery, Mid-South, you know, we said this before, I'll say it again. Every time we do this each month, if there's a Mid-South person in it, you just beam with pride, don't you? Yeah. Um, I just put Butchery and just thought, I'm at, who would have thought, like, Drake, he's, he's there in 1985. Whatever, you know, oh, God, I need to win this Mid-South title. Who would have known that six years later, he's in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. He would never have called that. Do you know what I mean? Like that is, if you figure that's mad, right? Uh, I thought it was brilliant. You got, you know, you had, you had the classic wrestling big man attire for Vader and Bam Bam. Um, then I've got a couple of points on Ron Simmons. Firstly, talking about wrestling attire, uh, these black wrist, like these black bands, these guys wear around their biceps. Like Pack does it in AEW. Ron Simmons had it on. Like they're so tight. I, I don't understand why you've got them there. So to make their biceps. Do you not like ever like? Maybe it's something I just look and just think that looks painful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've I just, mean, yeah. anyway, so massive side thing, but um, that was Butch Reed's only match in Japan. That that Tokyo. Wow. Show. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, uh, thinking about Ron Simmons as well. Every single time we do it this month from wrestling history, I swear that guy pops up. Yeah, he's, a, he's um, around a lot, isn't he? In terms do, of his do, length do you of think? Career. Do you think he could have won more? Well, he won the WWE World Title. Good? Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking like you know more than like be a be a be a. If someone went, 
You know, who do you think about as your top 10? Because the guy was around for ages, wrestling at a decent standard. But it seems like he was just a constant, that sort of, what would I call it? Like, old school, like intercontinental level, let's call yeah, it. Yeah, I for His don't... whole career. So, and look, don't get wrong. There's always a place for people like this. Yeah, yeah. But he is on everything. And I, I'm always so impressed with him. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Anyway, um, there's lots of things I sort of find amusing. Like, you know, there's bits like Butch Reed a couple of times. Like, he, he was like body slamming these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, was, I, I did like you know back then if you if if you're a big guy and you went and you got body slammed back then that was like that's it yeah yeah but you may be massive but if someone is able to pick you up and throw you on the floor you're out <laughs> so I was so happy because I thought when he body slammed I went that's it then because that used to happen didn't it like you know oh you've been body slammed therefore you're out because. <laughs> What? Because I'm a big guy, I've never fallen over. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know you mean. And then any athleticism shown by Vader or Bam Bam, the crowd lost it. Yeah. Any drop kick, any thing off the top rope, the crowd were losing their mind. Um, the photographers were surrounding the ring apron, which st- still happens in Japan now, I notice, but you don't really see that in other promotions. But they come right, you know, you get loads of the photographers around the ring. Um yeah, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed it. And then, then the sound cuts off, like you say at the end, and the sound cut off, and I'm like, oh, it's gone. And I'm like, hang on a minute, it's a cheeky little back. two minutes left here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sound comes back, they're back, yeah. rolling. Did find it weird, they had like a little fight, and then they sort of both walked off roughly the same. Little little note I did make is that Butch was pinned. He tagged in while he was in the ring. Oh, yeah. So I did have a look, and just in case Mark... Dunderdale is listening. Rick Knox was not the ref. This was another ref making a genuine mistake. Um, I really enjoyed this. And I, 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 I had this as recommend, but I've double underlined it. I, I, I can't justify a must watch. But if you, it, it, how, how would I say? Because you've got these clips on, on, on New Japan where you could just watch the match. If you're thinking, oh, I want to watch something a bit different, just whack this on. It's 16 minutes of of good, enjoyable wrestling. I really enjoyed yeah, it. I completely I agree. really, really enjoyed it. It was yeah. good. And the crowd, they were playing up to the crowd. And yeah, I liked it. I really like this. Yeah, completely agree. Um, now I switched across to Daily Motion, uh, which I failed to get working after four attempts on my television. Switch back to the across the old fire stick to discover that there's actually a Daily Motion app that on there that my LG television did not have. And voila, after 15 minutes, I actually managed to get an internet video to play in 2021. Brilliant. All that for a significantly poorer quality uh, picture for the remainder of the show as it aired on US pay per view. And life as a wrestling show reviewer is really tough and sad when technology does not play ball. Um, Shivani and Ross said that many fans were there for the grudge match between Sting and the great Muta and Muta got a big entrance with lots of smoke as Ross reminded us that Muta was a former WCW world television champion and had one of the best years he's ever seen in between 89 and 90 um, when he basically won that title and pretty much went undefeated. Sting didn't quite have the man called Sting theme yet just yet. He had an excellent red and white ring jacket on though. Red, red, 
and white and blue, I should say, ring jacket, very patriotic on. And Ross said he was one of the most popular sports figures in Japan, which is absolutely not true. Ross also said that lots of kids had their face painted in the style of sing. I didn't see anyone. And Stinger told Ross that he must avoid the moonsault. Huge cheers as the ring announced started his introductions for this. And while Sting got a reasonably positive response, this crowd was clearly for Muta. Um, super fast start in this with Muta going for the moonsault, but Sting moved and he landed on his feet. Sting pressed slam Muta over the top to the floor and then followed up with a dive out to him over the top rope, which I thought was really impressive given Sting's size. I really like this match. Solid recommend from me. Um, from Dave Meltzer's report on the match, it ended when Sting went for his Stinger splash, but Muta got out of the way and blew mist in Sting's eyes. Muta then pinned him with a crossbody block off the middle rope. After the match, Sting attacked Muta and gave him the Stinger splash and Scorpion deathlock. And Sting was booed pretty heavily for attacking the guy after the match was over, which didn't really translate. This, this is mean. I didn't really translate on the pay-per-view. Um, and and Meltzer also, when the Japanese guys tried to get Sting off, um, there was basically a little fight between them. Again, they cut this away on the pay-per-view. Um, and Meltzer finished with, by saying that even though Muta worked as a heel, he was cheered more than Sting, except when he irate, in which case he was booed. But Sting was booed uh, at the end for attacking after the match. Three and a half stars, which I thought might have been a little bit harsh. What did you think of the match and what would your rating be for this one? Yeah, um, I mean, for this one, um, I done uh, It Was All Right slash recommend. Yes, yep. Um, don't know whether I was expecting more. Um, it's quite short as well, I thought, relatively. Um, again, I didn't know WCW, so I didn't know Great Muta was known in a WCW, uh, in WCW. I thought Sting was very patriotic. When, when did when did Sting go dark? Uh, 96, 97. So, sort of, oh, right. So, and, and, and what was the storyline behind that stuff? Uh, the storyline was that um, the NWO had a fake Sting um, who looked like he he joined them and like Sting's WCW mates were like, you've, you've sold us out, but it wasn't actually Sting. And then Sting basically went like a whole year where he was like in the rafters um, doing the whole Crow thing, like attacking Hogan before they built up a um, Sting versus Hogan. The thing we watched for the Bret Hart review. Right, where so they, made, so they made an NWO Sting and then the real Sting took on that persona in theory. Uh, I can't remember how they dressed the... I think they dressed the NWO Sting up in Sting's, like, baby-faced, colourful attire, actually, to start off with. And then... So Sting the real went, Sting yeah. changed his... Okay, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so you obviously have the green mist, which you do see, don't you? Uh, people using... Yes. Sort of green mist. And he whipped out the red mist. And... Um, I, I like to see where they blade, but I've never had to like look out for where where have they yeah. filled their mouth with some more mist. Yeah, that was um, really good. I mean, this would be your first one listening to JR and Tony. Um, how much did they talk about the 10 v 20 count oh, rule? Oh, no, yeah, I know. <laughs> Relentless. Honestly, this is what the whole thing was like. Um, I mean, they, they also, I don't know if you come to that the wrestlers are on the outside to help get the wrestlers back in the ring. And apparently in Japan, this is what happened. Yeah, there were a lot of seconds in Japan. Like, for example, like the Young Bucks used to come down with Omega um, when he was going for the title against Okada, and they didn't interfere. They were just there for support. So that is a thing, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's not, sort quite, of has... not quite how they said it, but yeah, it kind of like... Yeah, um, I thought it was like a lumberjack match. Um, 
Yeah, so they were talking about Sting having a new move on the top rope, which he wasn't able to pull off. Then the old Stinger, St- Stinger splash, which is honestly when when because uh, I think obviously you know my WCW history is pretty bad. I'm, I'm a big fan of Sting in AEW. Um, well, I was. Uh, I read a couple of tweets around. You know, has he sound signed the multi-million deal just to be? Darby Allen's dad uh, didn't really do it anything but when he turned up and his son does the moves and he done a splash in the corner and Shivani said a stick a stinger splash and I told uh spoke to Tony who I've been on the pod before but and he went yeah it's the stinger splash and I just thought and, he, and Tony even looked at me like and that's exactly what WWF fans would have thought WCW that's what that's his finishing move yeah wow okay great really good um just reminded me of that. I mean, it was a roar of attrition, really, this match. They both had sort of similar styles. Um, obviously, you had the green mist into the pin, which is, I thought it was a bit of a shame it wasn't a clean finish, actually. Um, yeah, I, I guess they did that to protect, um, kind of, yeah, I mean, a little bit, didn't they? Uh, mainly because, again, going back to, you know, as I mentioned before, one of the reasons I chose this was because of Liger. Actually, another reason is because of Sting. I, I'm quite enjoying watching Sting's old stuff because. You know, he wasn't someone I ever watched, and now I quite enjoy watch. I like him on AEW, so I, I like to go back now. I'm like a bit of like a new Sting fan, you know, like a bit yeah. late on. Um, he's a couple of facts about each wrestler, actually. Sting's 32 in this, and Moots is 29. It's very strange. Um, said a year later, and I was going to ask you about this, Sting in 1992 competed in a five-star War Games match. Uh, yeah, uh, Sting's Squadron versus the Alliance. Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, yeah, and I was just gonna. War Games is similar to what AEW are going to be producing. It's in the Bloody same, Dutch, really. So. Yeah, yeah. So, what was that match like as a mm. fight? Because, 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 what I understand of these five star matches, amounts of studies, and correct me if I'm wrong, you'll know they don't tend to be like novelty matches, should we say? No, no. So, and for a War you, Games uh... match to get five stars. I mean, I, I read that, and now I'm going to go and watch it. But I'm intrigued. I mean, what? I mean, what, w- would you have said that was a five star? Well, I'll tell you what. If you carry on talking for a moment, I'll look back over my notes and tell you exactly what I said um, about it back in like, well, last summer. Well, I can carry on because the other um, uh, point I've got is about the great Muta. He is current. He's 58 years old at the moment. Oh, well, yeah, I know you're going to say yeah. He's currently the GS, GHC champion in pro wrestling. Noah, I think he might he's have a- lot. I think he might have lost it today, actually. Oh, Spoiler no, nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's a world champion, um, which is incredible, isn't yeah, it, really? he's still going. And I looked at a bit like, I know you've got oh, 58. He, he looks, I mean, any interest in it, like, you know, he's a champion and I'm going, wow. But then I'm saying I like Sting because he's still wrestling as well. Yeah. In theory. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Um, so I've got my notes on this. Yeah. So May seventeenth, nine ninety two. The problem. Okay. So War Games, I think, is 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 a match that is hit and miss because basically what I've said is uh, War Games, old great, my absolute favourite. So you can see where I'm probably going with this. Um, to be fair, there was some great action in this. Always nice thing in new, a young Steve Austin. However, as always, the finish completely lacked drama because of lack of near falls and no refs in the ring calling the submission. So it had to be surrender. The, the like, like it is next week at Blood and, Blood and Guts. 
it's submission or surrender. So you don't really get the drama of near falls, which I think without that, it's difficult. Um, the only real submission match I can ever really think of, that I'm, like obviously the Bret Hart Steve Austin one is the famous one, but I just don't like matches about near falls. So yeah, um, I, I didn't think it was five stars, but there we go. I'm not yeah, so Anyway, I, I had this one as it was all right. Yeah. Sla slash, the only reason I put a little slash recommend was it's too big two big stars sort of thing and there's a bit of a bit different but yeah I'll, yeah I wouldn't go all, I wouldn't go out for that so next all up we have title versus title champion versus champion Tatsumi Fujinami the IWGP heavyweight champion and Ric Flair the NWA world heavyweight champion this was Fujinami's fourth of six reigns with the IWGP title he beat Vader for this belt um, on January the 17th that year in Yokohama Flair didn't have his usual entrance music here and was out with three ladies wearing one-piece swimsuits with one carrying the Stars and Stripes flag. Flair had told Shivani that this may be the biggest crowd he's ever wrestled in front of. Ross said they'd been out to dinner in the same restaurant as the Nature Boy last night and he was very low-key for him and very focused on his big title versus title match. So in terms of historical significance, there was a great piece in last week's Wrestling Observer um, basically in preview of the Omega versus Rich Swan. AEW versus Impact title match um, about historic world title versus world title matches. So the, N the NWA world champion hadn't been involved in a, in a kind of legitimate title versus title match with another organization's recognized world, cha world champion since Flair took on the AWA world champion Rick Martel in October 1975 in a match that finished in a double countout. And before that, you'd have to go back to July 4th, 1982 for such an occasion where when Flair again went up against WWF champion Bob Backlund in NWA versus WWF world title contest in Atlanta at the Omni, which again went to a double countout with a story going that Backlund was paranoid going in there that there would be a double cross which impacted the match quality. That eventuality was exceedingly unlikely given that Vincent Monsignor was on the board of directors of the NWA at that point and had a vote on who would be the NWA world champion at the time, having earlier stopped promoting his WWF title as a world title on quietly rejoining the NWA in 1971 to obey their rules of one world championship under their membership in spite of the term world heavyweight champion being commonly used everywhere in the northeast of Bruno and other WWF champions around that time, albeit perhaps not as overtly by the company as they had previously. Um, prior to the match itself, we've got the national anthems. And here's a tidbit from Dave Meltzer and the April 3rd, 1991 Observer about some of the pre-match stuff. Flair came out with three models in bathing suits. Fujinami was carried to the ring. Then they brought out two referees, um, Tiger Hattori and Bill Alfonso. At this point, a reporter asked me what that was all about since they never announced the match as having two refs. At that point, the finish became pretty obvious and one reporter looked at Dave and just said, I think I want to cry. So back to me, the NWA world title being defended in a show like this and potentially unified with the IWGP title was a huge deal. And that was the driving force behind this sellout. And also with the benefit of a loaded undercard to clearly um, that reporter came to the realization that this may not end as clean as a whistle with one champion became apparent and foreshadowed by the position with two referees. Yeah, certainly. 
Fujinami went for his dragon sleeper early, and I have to say it looked awful. I hate the skull end that Sonata does that is similar but worse. You could see the air in this, and while the crowd reacted to it, it certainly doesn't age well. Um, I thought thereafter the match built pretty nicely, actually. Flair was busted wide open on the outside, and Fujinami got a near fall soon after that the Tokyo Dome crowd fully bought into. Um, closing sequences courtesy of the April 3rd, 1991 Observer. Fujinami ducked out of the way of a tackle and Flair hit referee Alfonso. With the referee down, Fujinami did two pinning manoeuvres on Flair and got three counts as counted by the crowd in unison, but with no route, no referee to count his shoulders down. He did another pinning move and the crowd chanted for the pin and Flair kicked out a two. Hattori came up to ringside to help Alfonso. And at this point, as Alfonso looked up and Hattori was looking down, Flair charged at Fujinami and was flipped over the top rope. The dusty finish strikes Tokyo. Hattori jumps in the ring to ref. The two go at it for a moment with Fujinami putting on the abdominal stretch, then taking Flair down into a cradle um, from this point and getting the three count as the place went nuts and Fujinami was announced as the unified world champion and he was carried from the ring to a tremendous reaction. Um, so back to me now. On the US broadcast, Shivani and Ross strongly suggested that Fujinami should have been disqualified for the backdrop of Flair over the top rope. So this moment didn't come across like a monumental world title change, as you could tell something was up. They kept saying that Alfonso was the only official of record, and they replayed the bump on him and the backdrop over the top rope, which was DQ according to WCW rules. Ross said he had to head off the press conference and he'd try and get a word from a WCW official. And then we cut to him in front of the desk backstage at the Tokyo Dome. Again, Ross said it was obvious that Fujinami had uh, thrown Flair over the top rope. Ross talks about a Sting wanting a rematch, but let's cut in there to your thoughts on this title match before we talk about the post-match. I would give this a solid recommend, maybe slightly up a notch for historical significance. What did you think of Fujinami versus Flair? Yeah, so... um... Just as a match, you know, at the aura of like a big boxing match. Yeah, you know, big fight Fujinami's, feel. Yeah, he come down with sort of an entourage of the national anthems. Um, Japanese anthems, a new one of me actually, didn't really recognise that. Um, very much in the commentary, very much the... How can I word this? It, it, they, they, they discussed that Fujinami been wrestling for 20 years. Um, and they said, so, therefore, he's prepared 20 years um to unify this belt which uh, you know a lot of people might not look at but i viewed that as in the artist that sort of arrogance the western arrogance of you know he's been waiting 20 years to win this american belt yeah yeah no he's probably happy with what he's got mate he's won the iwgp four times yeah yeah but it's like it was just that he's waited 25 years for this or 20 years for this no, he probably he probably really hasn't, <laughs> but because you can't think outside of you know what. So every person that's born that becomes a wrestler has wants to win an American title. No, yeah. uh, I just felt that. Just to clarify again, I, you know, uh, my the last three months where I've got into New Japan has made me feel that more. But I always remember you, when you you've talked to me about it before. I'd even got back into watching wrestling, um, and when you used to explain the magnitude and the size of New Japan, I don't think people really understand. I really yeah. don't still now. Huge uh, how, arena business in of itself. It's a huge company, is. yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, in regards to Flair, you know, he comes down. I, I respect Ric Flair. I've never liked him, hmm. but I respect him. Uh, I just never, I never got him. I never got how he kept winning and held the belts for so long. I mean, I guess even in my, like, in my time, but, 
even before my time, he's always seems to be at least 40 years old. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he was like probably 43. He's 42 or, here. He's 42, 42, okay, 42, here, yeah. yeah. Um, he looks like a nan. You need to watch but, some 80s flair. I know, Daniel. but even yeah. that... Like, I'll I tell you know. what, I'll tell you what you should do. Um, and I was thinking about having this for that for my next month's pick, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But maybe we'll do... We'll do uh, maybe we'll do something different at some point and we'll do these three matches, but you should watch the Rick Flair, Ricky Steamboat matches from 1989 when Flair's okay. 40. Um, yeah, I mean, but they're unbelievable, those saying. matches. Yeah. 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 Oh, look, 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 you know, I respect the guy at the end of the day. Um, I mean, they, they say about, I would just do a quick summary of the rule differences just in case you hadn't yeah. heard about the rule differences. And they spoke about the rule differences. Like, again, they were like, they explain them and oh, can imagine what it's like for us. It's literally just they do twenty count, twenty count, in yeah. The US can't go over the top rope. Think it, it's really not that hard. Yeah. Um, but again, going back to what I said earlier, I didn't notice it this time the massive stress around the rules because it's been happening in every match. Yeah. Obviously, I should have known that the rules would have been would have come into play at the end. Um. So, yeah, there was that. I thought the face-off at the start, I really liked. Yeah. What an iconic image. Like, um, then there was a little bit about um, about the rules. And one of the reasons he said about this, summarise the rules, is um, it reminded um, JR of uh, Mike Tyson v. Razor Ruddock. Um, yeah, they talked about that. I don't know what happened with that. What ha- Did you do some research on that? Yeah, I did. And it was just around something to do with the match stopping. It's a bit of a gross frock sort of thing. Uh, gross frock. Right, one. right, right. Yeah. Match was stopped for Ruddock, uh, even though he's still on his feet. That wasn't what I was researching. I was just making sure it wasn't Neil Ruddock. <laughs> I mean, he said Razor Ruddock. I re round. I was like, <laughs> Mike Tyson, Razor Ruddock. I suppose Razor Ruddock's a little bit get before that. your time, isn't he? I suppose, isn't he, really? Razor like... Ruddock, I got, the end of, I got the end of his career where he was like 25 stone, but still managing to get a game for teams. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, th- I'm talking the boxer, actually. Sorry, not, not Neil Ruddock. No, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about a footballer. Yeah, who, no, no. Yeah, so, so, so anyone listening to this, American, yeah. if you put into Google Razor Ruddock footballer and have a look at this bloke, yeah, yeah. you'll understand how mad this is. Over he's the sort yeah. of bloke that would have a boxing match, but I just thought it was very funny. Um, I thought the dragon sleeper looked quite effective. Flair sold it really well, actually. Um, the commentary uh, gave Fujinami credit for inventing the dragon sleeper and the dragon suplex, which just made me think that's mad, isn't it? Like, yeah. you can have all the titles and everything you want in the world, but to be credited with a move that is now Dragon dragon Suplex, for example. Decent move, good move. Uh, people go, you know, would you win a match from it? Yeah, maybe. Either. But this guy's credited with this. Yeah. I think about, that's madness. Like, I, like that is the real testament, isn't it, to how, how good you are. So I thought that was, that, that was brilliant. Um, you got your classic Ric Fair bleeding, um, just for anyone that knows, he he, he done it. Uh, the ref was distracted and he, he hit this thing and he done a little slice on the floor on all fours. Um, but he just looks classic, doesn't he? Because you get Ric Flair's veins in his forehead. Yeah. 
are phenomenal, aren't they? Because he bleeds. And with the white hair, it is just something else, isn't it? Um, and you literally got, if you're in that crowd, and you're like, we've got Ric Flair coming, you've got the lot, you've got the blood, you've got the hair, you've got that he got kicked and then done that two seconds before he fell on his face. Uh, you've got the don't hit me. You've got the lot. You've got the full flair package. Um, but, um, yeah, it was interesting with the refereeing at the end because you, you had the ref, Flair was tied up in the ropes and the ref got him off the ropes and then he went over the top and all of this. And to be honest, I should have known that was good, something like that was going to happen. Yeah. Although I say that, I, I, as much as I've been watching all this wrestling with, with you and stuff, I don't know if I could have choreographed that sort of ending. No, we watch wrestling now and we say, you know, oh, them two are facing each other. Right? How do we think it's going to end? Oh, it's probably going to be this, that and the other. And you're never miles off. I don't know if I'd have choreographed. I thought that was, ve- I thought it was a very clever, very well done in regards to, it made it make sense why they've been going on about the rules for two hours. It, it was decent. And it meant that neither of them lost face. Well, yeah. I don't think they did. No, I know. But the only thing I would say is I do. Under- so where they're going with this in fact, you finish off, Dan, and I'll, and I'll talk about that afterwards because I, I wouldn't, I would, rather than skipping too far. I, I, I mean, I just, I just thought it was, um, I just thought it was really clever how they did it, and I, I really liked it. And I thought, you know, okay, so Flair's been chucked over, so he would normally win. Then the guy pins him, so he would win. So in essence, they both, in theory, won in their respective countries. Yes, and yes, I like that. There's a big butt coming. There's a big butt coming. So shall I shall I press on? Have you got anything more to add on this uh, this match? Did you go recommend for this? Oh, definite recommend. Yeah, definitely recommend. Yeah, and and, and 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 actually, I would be close to much watch if you're into history, wrestling history. I mean, you know, we're looking at here as you know, New Japan, WCW, first time together. You know, if you if you're into put it this way for the whole event, I've just put if you like wrestling, yeah, if you like wrestling, actual wrestling, yeah, watch this. If you like to watch people wrestle each other, watch this. And if you're watching New Japan or you're just getting into it like me or intrigued, also watch it for the history of because there's a lot of things in it that are very are still very New Japan. One one such thing actually is the press conference after. Yes. Because in New Japan, yeah. they always do the press conference after, which yes, is they do. A very, they're still doing that now. And, and, and we joke about the rules, but actually, them rules, they're not complicated as they go on and about, but they just had a different dynamic. The 20 count, I really like the 20 count when I Much watch better. New Japan. Yeah, I also like that you can lose the, um, the belt on this. Yep. I think it's great because they don't have the same, they won't have. Like we've discussed it before. I understand why WWE has no DQ because you get people rocking up, just smashing the person over the head and going, oh, disqualified. You just don't, the way Japan is, you just wouldn't get that. No, no. It just, it's not a thing. So because they've, because that's not a thing, you therefore can have a count out change of hands. But because WWE has got so much into other people sticking their oar in, yeah, you have to, you can't have that rule. You can't. No, it just isn't a thing. No, because they so, need they need an out in these television matches. Don't basically. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think if you're into wrestling, you like wrestling, please watch this match, but this show. Yeah, I would and, agree. And and, and, if you, and again, if you haven't got 
if you've got time, watch the clips. If you haven't got time, just do the daily motion. Just do two hours, bang, bang, you know, and know that, you know, if, if, you, if you want a bit more, find your Bam Bam Bigelow Vader match and have a laugh. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, look, let's, I want to hear what, you, what, you're, what you're so eager to, to, so... to, to correct me. Back, basically, not correct, just but just you know, uh, mate, uh, you know, offer why I th- why I think this was a bad was a bad idea in terms of how they ended the show here. So, um, basically, back to the press conference, Flair stormed in and took the belt back with him and said it was him. Ross said it was a tragic situation with international repercussions, which is probably overplaying it a little bit. Um, Meltzer wrote that just about every reporter who was in attendance. Um, with these events being covered in Japan in a, in a more legitimate way, thought this was a bony fidey world title change. And the show itself aired on April the 7th in the States. So here's some more interesting stuff on that April 3rd, Nine Times on Observer. So after the show um, was a sayonara party at a nightclub in another part of town, um, Flair continually called Fujinami champ, and there wasn't even a hint of controversy. Friday's Nikan Sports came out, and the entire front page of the newspaper was devoted to Fujinami becoming the 75th NWA world champion. Um, NWA means a lot in Japan. WCW means nothing, so it's continually called the NWA world championship. Um, the afternoon papers that day said no hint of controversy. The story that Flair had left Japan with the belt hit the papers on Saturday afternoon. As the storyline in Japan goes, after the party at midnight, Dusty Rose and Barry Windham, who are the heels in this controversy in Japan, went to Seiji Sakaguchi, who's an official in New Japan, and told him the result of the match was a no, no contest and that Flair was still the champion. The claim was that Fujinami threw Flair over the top rope, which is an automatic disqualification. But since the ref missed it, they felt that they, they felt simply the match should be ruled a no contest. Sakaguchi then claimed that over the top rope is not a disqualification in Japan. And since the match was in Japan, that shouldn't be an issue. Sakaguchi's claim was that NWO bylaws state that in the event the referee is unable to perform in a world title match, the sub-referee Hattori is in charge. So Hattori was in charge and counted the pin and Sakaguchi claimed Fujinami is the champion. The story gets even funnier here as according to Tokyo Sports Story on Saturday, a reporter who must have figured out what was going to happen talked with Alfonso and asked him who won. And Alfonso said that Fujinami won. So now you've got both refs agreeing with the decision when the original story I'd heard that it was supposed to be all along was the American ref would say Flair won and the Japanese ref would say Fujinami won. The reason they didn't just do the dusty finish as it's done in the US is because of fear of doing that screw job would have ended up with the place rioting, which is probably what would have happened. So they did the Vern Garnier and sent the fans home thinking it was a title change until two days later, they read the real story in a newspaper. As the story continues, on Friday morning at 7.30am, Mr. Baisho, the business head of New Japan, and Sakaguchi had another meeting with Rose and Wyndham at the hotel, but they couldn't come to an agreement. At 9am, the WCW crew left Tokyo for the trip home. Supposedly, Sakaguchi and Fujinami will go to Atlanta to further try and rectify the situation with Hiro Matsuda as the mediator. The Japanese papers over the weekend were really negative towards WCW over the situation. Comments like, taking the belt away from Fujinami was BS, we know the NWA needs its world title belt in the United States for its house shows, but this situation is ridiculous. And this dirty WCW trick finishes nothing but trouble. They've already ruined their company at home with it, and now they're going to ruin our wrestling with it. We're plentiful. So as the story goes, Fujinami is recognized as NWA world champion in Japan. Flair is recognized as NWA world champion and has the belt in the United States. And the two have a rematch on May 19th in St. Petersburg, Florida, to rectify the situation. Um just my final which, thought. Which I assume does Flair win that. Yes. So yeah. my my final thought on this is, if you're not sure in wrestling what the finish should be, the or, yeah, if you're not sure what the finish should be, 
the finish should always just be babyface wins clean. If you're not sure, babyface wins clean. If it's a big angle, babyface wins clean. The problem with this one is, and they did come back. I'm not sure what business they did. But you've got a lot of angry people in Japan, and they're fans. You've sold out this Tokyo Dome. People are up for this. They've got a bloody front page of a sports newspaper in Japan. I mean, just give him the belt for what would be, would have been two months. You give could, him the you, belt, then he could go and lose it in the rematch. Yeah, just yeah, have exactly. Two months of yeah. just, of that's, just that's, that's lording it around. Yeah. That's what I think in these situations. I think if you've got a situation like this and you've sold out, I'd make the call on the day if it's me, like, bloody hell, we've sold out the Tokyo Dome. I'm calling an audible here. Fujinami is going over. We'll sort it out in the States. They could even have, they could even, you know, anything. They could do anything, whatever they want to do. But they don't They don't need Flair as the world, world champion for a couple of months in their house shows to do more business. Anyway, um, I thought this was a really interesting and fun look back on an unusual show and one I certainly enjoyed. I'm going 7 out of 10 for this overall, which may just be the highest rating I'm giving to any of these shows so far. What are your final thoughts on Starcade in the Tokyo Dome 1991? Yeah, I've given it 7 as well. Wow, That's great lines. Um, again, it's got that element of it's a wrestling show. It's got a bit of history. Got a lot of history, I think. A um, few big names, a few different, you know, even the fact that, you know, You've just talked about a controversy there. Stemmed from this show. Yeah. Good or bad, you know, it, it, it stems. So I would recommend to people, if you're looking for historic wrestling to watch or, you know, something a bit different, put it on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, big um, time. Again, I'm not going to take too much credit for picking this one because to beat what you picked previously <laughs> is one of the easiest things you could probably do. so and, it, and it's my pick this month as well and for may so i've gone for a show featuring a semi-main event involving two of my all-time favorites it's slam 1998 and bret hart versus macho man randy savage the show also wow. featured sting and the giant versus scott hall and kevin nash in the main event plus dean malenko versus chris jericho Diamond Dallas Page versus Raven and Bill Goldberg defending the US title against Saturn. So Slamboree 1998 is coming up for you on May the 31st. So look out for that. So Dan, that is it. Thank you very much for your time as well. Where can people find you online? Uh, at Dan PFFC, as always. Brilliant. Good stuff. And this, well, that's it. There's nothing more to say. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for your support and for listening. And we shall speak to you all again very, very soon thank you very much for listening to the show if you've enjoyed it why not head over to apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button follow on spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released we love reviews at mid-south moments so why don't you make my day by leaving a five star rating also if you're interested in guest hosting in the future please do reach out at mid moments on twitter and i look forward to speaking with you all again very very soon